0: There was one line in the throne speech on Tuesday, and we talked about this earlier. The throne speech, I think we can all agree, was overshadowed by the number of protesters outside the B.C. legislature, Uh, some people being pushed and shoved, certainly intimidated. Uh, That did take away. The speech went ahead as planned. The public part of that was cancelled, but we did have the throne speech delivered on Tuesday. There was one line in the speech, though, that I felt was worthy of a bigger discussion, and it has to do with... Guns And the exact line is this, this spring, new legislation will give police more tools to block the use of illegal firearms and ban guns from schools, colleges, universities, and hospitals. And it was that particular line that got me thinking, do we have a problem with illegal firearms in schools, colleges, universities, and hospitals? Is that something that I just didn't notice that's been happening at all of these places in B.C.? Well, I thought we should talk about it a little bit more. So let's bring on Rod Giltaka. He is the executive director and CEO of the Canadian Coalition for Firearm Rights and joins me now on the line. Rod, thanks so much for being with us this morning. My pleasure, Jill. What's your response to that line in the throne speech?
1: Well, my response is similar to yours. I wasn't aware that uh, that we had a problem uh, with guns showing up in schools and colleges and universities. So, you know, I, I don't want to – usually this is the point where I would say I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but I really do want to put a fine point on it, which is this is the kind of language that we see not only from provincial governments, but federal governments, um, and it's – I find it incredibly patronizing, and basically it's the government saying um, that no one in the country is thoughtful enough to, to think about what it is we're actually saying and they'll take this line and say, well, I'm glad, you know, our government, uh, you know, that is a very well-funded entity is doing something to stop all this violence. It's it's a meaningless phrase um, that it's just, yeah, I just uh, I can't help but think that they think that we're stupid and that, that we're going to take this stuff. Um, more specifically, if they are talking about multiple victim public shootings, this is very similar to what they did in Montreal after the Dawson College shooting. You had someone come in. Uh, murder, well, in that case, one person and shoot 18 other people. And, you know, they ignored the gun ban that was in place at the university. So uh, enough with the with the the ridiculous talk and actually do something about this gang problem and opiate problem that we have.
0: Well, and, and that's, I think, part of the irony of this is it comes under the part of the throne speech with the title Safer Communities. And it starts off by saying British Columbians deserve to feel safe in the communities they call home. Absolutely. I think everybody would agree with that. Then it goes on to say the government is acting to fight crime and gangs, expanding education and prevention programs to stop kids from entering gang life. And then it's the line about this new legislation to bring in these tools to block illegal firearms in gun, uh, and guns in schools, colleges, university, and hospitals. Uh, is there not already law, uh, a law in place that blocks the use of illegal firearms in not only those places, but anywhere?
1: <laughs> of course there is. And, you know, it's it's interesting. I did an analysis during uh, when Bill C-71 was going through the House, and, and I testified for a committee uh, in Ottawa uh, on that, well, against Bill C-71. And I uh, in our brief, we added the fact that if a person broke into someone's home or a business to steal a firearm to be used in gang activity, and they went and they shot somebody in that gang activity, they'd be subject to 13 different criminal code charges totaling up up to, I think it was 170 years in prison. So the problem isn't that government needs to enact more rules or that they need to bring, give police more tools. It is the judiciary that that won't put these people in jail. And in fact, sometimes if you shoot somebody with an illegal gun and gang activity, you'll be out on bail within a couple of days. And we've seen that repeatedly in, in urban centers. So it is The the entire responsibility for how bad things have gotten with opiates and gangs and shootings and and all the rest of this stuff, it lies squarely uh, on the government and the judiciary for just not exercising the power that they already have.
0: Uh, Because wasn't there, uh, and I'm going off memory, but was there not a case or or, um, uh, numbers released, and I think it was out of Toronto recently, on the number of crimes commissioned and there was the use of an illegal gun in those crimes, and a vast majority of the people, and these were people that were arrested, had been released from the system. They had been charged and convicted earlier, and they'd been released. They were back out on the streets, and they were repeat offenders.
1: And they, yeah, and they offended again. uh... This is the revolving door um, of uh, well, I don't even call it the justice system anymore. It's, I'm so cynical about it. I just call it the legal system. Um, and you know, it's funny. The first line in Safer Communities in the Throne Speech that you mentioned is British Columbians deserve to feel safe. I don't. I don't. Nobody deserves to feel safe. They deserve to be safe. And and that's everything after that line reflects exactly what they said in this line. It's all about feelings. It's all about perceptions. You know, I, I spoke to the second highest ranking police officer in Vancouver, and I had a great conversation it was about almost an hour, uh, and it was about uh, six weeks ago. And the Vancouver Police know exactly what's going on. They know exactly what the problem is. They know exactly who's doing all these things, and they don't uh, agree with gun bans. In fact, uh, Chief uh, Chief Palmer. Um, is the I think he's the president of the Canadian Chiefs of Police Association. And, and he said gun bans are useless for what uh, for the problems they're facing. So I want real solutions. I don't want any more talk drives me crazy.
0: <laughs> well, and, and, and you're right, the whole the word feel safe really does come into play. Because if we look at Vancouver, Vancouver has a mayor that has gone on record several times saying that if and when the federal government gives cities and municipalities the power to ban handguns, he'll be the first one to sign up. Well, is that a case of people might feel safe, but it's ridiculous. That's that's not, that's not banning criminals. Criminals aren't suddenly going to look at that and say, oh, I, be- I guess I better get rid of this illegal gun I have. It's not, it's not targeting the right area at all.
1: Well, people like the mayor of Vancouver and the mayor of Toronto are a real problem for people that would go through all the trouble um, of getting a firearms license, all 2.2 million of us, and store our firearms responsibly and go to the gun club and follow all the safety protocols and all the storage regulations and, and transport regulations and licensing regulations and authorizations to transport all this paperwork and all this infrastructure, just, just for the privilege of owning a firearm. And we're under full attack of, of people like that. And, and they're, they're not going to do anything to stop the real problem. Um, and the real reason that bullets are flying, in downtown Vancouver or in playgrounds in in Toronto and uh, politicians like that. I I just, it's, it's just immoral. And, uh, and yeah, uh, a municipal handgun ban. Are you joking me?
0: what what would be the rule then for somebody because i think somebody that hears that line too and it's this idea of illegal firearms in schools colleges universities and hospitals well if it's an illegal firearm it's an illegal firearm it doesn't matter where you take it you're not allowed to take it anywhere Anyway, uh, but what if it's a legal firearm and not as uh, not like somebody was going to, but are there not already rules in place and laws in place? So obviously, if you are a legal uh, gun owner, you can take if you have a restricted weapon. Obviously, there are there are strict rules for that. I mean, could you technically, if you owned a rifle legally, walk around with it and say you're going to visit somebody in the hospital, but you're going somewhere that you need the gun after? Could you take it into the hospital with you?
1: <laughs> um. I think theoretically, um, I don't know that that has ever happened. I mean, I do this. This is what I do every day, and I've done it every day for for almost five years uh, on the political side, and and twelve years as a firearms instructor. I've never heard of anyone being on their way to the shooting range but had to swing into the hospital and didn't have a vehicle to secure the firearm and and brought it into the hospital to to visit somebody. Like these are so. They're they're outlandish hypotheticals and they do nothing to solve real legitimate problems where real legitimate people are actually being hurt. So and and if it and if I mean to me that says banning guns from schools and universities and colleges, that's to me that's aimed at multiple victim public shootings. But if someone's going to commit a multiple victim public shooting Right. They're going to commit multiple counts of murder and and 98 percent of the time these people kill themselves after. I'm sure they're not worried about some, uh, you know, a firearm charge for, you know, ignoring a gun ban. So, again, I, I just would really implore politicians to stand up and be thoughtful people and work on on real public safety.
0: Right. Because even I mean, uh, more of the lunacy of this statement is even if you have a legal registered pistol, you're already banned from taking it to any of those places?
1: Well, you can't take it. Well, when it comes to restricted firearms, you can't take them anywhere, but to and from, in the most reasonably direct route in the circumstances, from your home to an approved shooting range. And when it comes to non-restricted, yeah, you can You can theoretically walk down the street with a non-restricted firearm, but how often do you see that? And the, and the reason you don't see it is because our society is... is they're, they're so hypersensitive to anything to do with guns right now that you'll have the police pointing guns at you. And thus, law-abiding gun owners, licensed gun owners, they, they're not going to do that because they don't want to have negative interactions with the police. So this, this, it's a non-problem.
0: Right. And even in that scenario, it's not as though you'd be walking around the street with it loaded, waving it around. You, does it not have to be in a case or with a trigger lock? And it certainly couldn't be loaded.
1: Well, it can't be loaded for sure, because uh, you'd be subject to a charge of careless use of a firearm. So you can't load a firearm unless you're in an area where it can be legally and safely discharged. So, of course, you know, downtown Langley uh, is not a place where you can do that. So and every one of these charges, um, whether it's storage, uh, display, transportation, handling, all these charges come with uh, five year penalties, up to five years uh, in prison, each charge. So if if I were to load a firearm in a a downtown core, even if it was non-restricted and I was licensed, I loaded that firearm, I'd be facing a decade in prison. So, again, this big focus on the people deserve to feel safe. Um, and focusing on non-problems just to make it look like they're doing something. It's, it's very patronizing.
0: And, and so just before uh, I let you go, what could we, be, we do? And, and you talked about the judiciary. What, would, what do you think would a, a step would be to make people not only feel safe, but to be safe?
1: I think the problem is so deep. I don't even think that, that kicking the, the Trudeau Liberals out and straightening out all the legislation, I don't even think that would help. It's, I don't know. We're so far down this road. Of, of, you know, government being more of a, a public relations um, entity rather than a, a governing entity that I, I don't know what it would take. Um, but certainly, um, I think as an individual voter, you need to reject people that will tell you things that are, are completely fanciful and, uh, and start to support people that say, you know, I'm going to solve the gang problem, period, you know, and I'll do whatever it takes. Um, I think that's just where you need to go. Uh, It's not about feelings. It's about reality.
0: All right, Rod, we will leave it there. Thank you so much. Always good to talk to you.
1: Anytime.